All right, welcome back to Sports Central. Pirates make a trade dealing Josh Bell to the Nationals for a couple of prospects. Alex Stump from DK Pittsburgh Sports joins us now. Alex, uh, it's the middle of winter. Um, we got snow on the ground here. I'm sure you do in Pittsburgh, but uh, this is hot stove season in baseball. Do you, do you enjoy uh, when it kind of heats up at this time and we start to kind of get our appetites wet a little bit for, for some baseball moves, start to look forward to things? Well, I mean, it's better than the alternative. I mean, we, we had a couple of really, really slow months to start things off, and yeah, it's finally the trade market that's heating up. We haven't really heard anything free agent-wise still. Why did the Pirates trade Josh Bell, and why did they trade him now? Well, to, to borrow a Branch, Branch Rickey classic quote, they could finish last with him, they could finish last without him. And with two years of team control left for him, whatever you look at where the top prospects in this farm system are right now. A lot of the hitters are going to start coming up in about 2022. A lot of the pitchers are going to start coming up in about 2023. And Josh Bell is a free agent after 2022. So he really doesn't fit into long-term plans anymore. There was a brief discussion about maybe extending him long-term, but with his age of being Scott Boris, that, that was always going to be really difficult to pull off. As for right now, it's kind of a – you have to assume some risk – if you're the Washington Nationals inquiring him, because he was really bad in 2020. And really, he didn't play that great for a couple months in 2019 either. He got off to that great start where he was truly one of the best hitters in baseball. And then he finished strong, but there was about a two-month uh, period in between where he was just as bad as he was in 2020. So if the Pirates hung on to him in 2021 and he started off the same way that he did in 2019, yeah, they probably could have gotten more for a trade. But if he would have struggled again, then they would have been trying to trade a guy who really hadn't been good in two calendar years. They're not going to get a whole lot in a situation like like this. So this way, they still get a major league pitcher and a lottery ticket prospect. What do we think about Josh Bell as a player? He he went on the power bench, um, which we really had not seen a whole lot. Maybe he was just a young man coming into his own for a couple years with the power, but he never really showed that stuff coming up. Um, And... Uh, you know, I, I still see a lot of holes in his game, especially defensively. Where is Josh Bell going to be in 2022, 23, 24 as a player, as an all-around player? Hitter, slugger, defensive first baseman, designated hitter? What What is he going to be? I don't think he's going to be the defensive replacement at first base. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's a really good question. And honestly, this is probably – going to be a question that's going to be answered this year whenever he's with the Washington Nationals, whenever he has more protection in the lineup right there. And, you know, one of the things he brought up that really hurt him this year was he was one of those guys who really benefited from going mid-game, watching video, seeing where his swag is, you know, in between at-bats. And because of the COVID uh, protocols this year, you weren't allowed to be in a video room because those two small of a confined space. And he wasn't able to do that. And if you saw those second and third at-bats, they weren't as high quality as they were in, say, 2019. Whenever he got to watch the video, he was like, okay, I'm seeing I'm doing something wrong with my foot here. Let me not lunge towards the ball as much. So uh, there is still a potential that Josh Bell, you know, that 2019 Josh Bell, we could see that a couple more times. He could go to a couple more All-Star games. But in reality, he had one really good season in the major leagues. And then the other ones ran the gamut of being okay to kind of bad. Okay, Alex Dunn from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Everything you just said for the last four minutes makes perfect sense. 
if you follow baseball, you understand who Scott Boris is, you understand risk reward and all that stuff. Hopefully, people are out there saying, okay, everything Alex just said makes sense. However, there's the flip side that will say they're just cheap. They're just cheap. They don't want to pay anybody, and they weren't going to pay Josh Bell. How do you balance everything that you just said from a logic standpoint with the notion that they're never going to pay anybody, and this is just the 197th example of them getting rid of somebody before they got to pay him? I mean... I guess you could look at someone like Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, guys who they were able to hang on for for a couple more years than a small market team should have been able to because they were able to sign these guys early in their career. And maybe you look at like, okay, are they going to do something similar with a Cabride Hayes, with a with a Brian Reynolds? But in answer to the, you know, they're cheap, these guys are all going to eventually go, there will eventually probably be someone along the lines of Roberto Clemente. I mean, the Twins were able to hang on to Joe Bauer for years, and he had a fringe Hall of Fame career. You know, he spent his entire career there. A small market team can do it with one guy. They have to find the one right guy. And, you know, we can look at someone like Andrew McCutcheon, who really embodied everything Pittsburgh wanted, you know, in a ball player. He was really good. He loved being a part of the city. Maybe he should have been the right guy, but he has dropped off these last couple years. So if you're looking from from it as a purely baseball move, he'll be the best 25 players on the field he well maybe with this Pirates roster but for a lot of rosters he wouldn't be one of those you know high you know salary guys one of the best guys that they would have on the team I'm always intrigued by what McCutcheon did because I think he cost himself we can throw out a number that we think is I think he cost himself at least 50 million um, maybe upwards of 75 because he signed what was it six years I believe 51 uh, million. Um, when you take a look back at what Andrew McCutcheon did with his contract, yeah, it works out well for the Pirates. Mm-hmm. But from a player standpoint, would you ever suggest a player do what Andrew McCutcheon did? Well, you also have to look at it from the flip side with Andrew McCutcheon. This was a kid who grew up in a trailer park. He was only really able to play baseball growing up out of donations from his church where they were able to go make it play travel ball. And here come the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they say, here's a contract that's going to be worth 50-something million dollars. You never have to worry about money again. And if you play well, you could get another big contract. That's kind of a, a no-brainer. But can you now? Like him. Can you now? That's where, that's where things I mean, get... That, that's the risk that you assume. Yeah, that's at, the risk that you assume. At 28, and, where, where, where we've learned, what's going to be fascinating now with all these analytics and all these numbers that show these guys, you know, dropping off a cliff. We thought it was 31, 32, 33. A lot of guys are dropping off. You know, are, are we going to continue to see? I love this. I love these contracts and these numbers talks, by the way. Are we going to continue to see 28 and 29 year olds get their 200, 300 million dollar contracts? Or are these going to be very rare, um, just. Mike Trout, maybe Bryce Harper types of deals where it's a very, very rare situation, and other guys uh, might may end up, you know, wondering where some of that money went by the time they get to that contract. Um, I don't see it this offseason specifically because of you know every team lost money this year because of the shortened season and not having fans in the stands, and I don't know what the long term ramifications of that are going to be. You look yeah, at right. someone like George Springer who probably could have gotten like six years, 150-ish million dollars in a normal offseason. I mean, he's a really good leadoff hitting center fielder with power. He can steal bases. He checks pretty much every box 
that you want for a guy. And like, yeah, let's keep him for five or six years, but no one's really going to give out that contract this year. So I, I don't know if this year might be the beginning of a trend where you can sign those long-term deals and it might not be as lucrative each year, or you could sign for say two or three years and get $80 million, that type of situation. Yeah, right, and right. either way, I think those big giga contracts like the Albert Pujols type deals, I think they're going to be a lot more timid to give those out, especially for guys like Pujols who side in their 30s. Oh, it's going to be fascinating, really. I mean, we could have this discussion at any time, but the fact we're having it after this year uh, with the pandemic and all these teams losing money, uh, I, I used to think I had a pretty good handle on where things were going financially for a lot of teams you could always kind of guess where the Pirates were going to go. But now I, I would say that we're all just going to be guessing. It's all going to be a big guessing game. Maybe you know, maybe the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers can keep spending what they were spending. But I, I truly do wonder what the next uh, two to three years are going to look like with regards to you know not only just individual contracts, but how much money these teams are going to be able to take on. Are we going to see $200 million much going forward? Probably the best way to go about that, and this is something that baseball has talked about expansion for a while now. They would love to have a 32-team league. And if they do, uh, the entry fee, it would generate close to $2 billion that they could split up with the other teams. In which case, yeah, maybe we do see these long-term deals again, just because there's this new wave of money to offset you know, everything that they lost this year. But, yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm really looking forward to this 2022 offseason because I – Springer, LeMahieu, a lot of these guys, Bauer, they're going to end up signing relatively good deals, but they might be short-term. If that's the case, and these free agent classes just become more and more crowded, that's only going to be more leverage for teams going forward. Alex Dump from DKPittsburghSports.com. What's next? Is, is Joe Musgrove the next piece to move? That That seems like what the safe money is right now. I mean, the two guys who are the most likely to get dealt this offseason still are Musgrove and Adam Frazier. And whenever you look at the market for second baseman with LeMahieu, Lestella, there are a lot of good free agents out there. So I really don't think teams are going to be that eager to jump on, you know, trading for Adam Frazier and giving up players whenever they could sign a guy who's comparable or, or maybe even a little better than him right now. So I, I think Musgrove is the first to go. And we're starting to see the trade market heat up there with Stella Darvish getting traded, you know, the last two days. So then what happens here? I mean, we're just about to come to the new year. Are, are we talking about two, three more guys moving, or uh, 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 Stephen, uh, Stephen Brought? Where, where do we stand on any other guys that you think could end up being traded away? There were some whispers about Brault early on in the offseason. I didn't hear anything. Personally, those are reports out there league-wide. I uh, haven't heard anything or seen anything from that since. Richard Rodriguez, I would say, is maybe a very, very dark horse. You know, as someone who could be traded just because teams are always going to be looking for a good reliever, but it seems more likely that he's got to be in Pittsburgh. I, I would say Musgrove and Frazier would be my guess of who still gets traded before spring trading comes around. How about any any other moves that they could make? I mean, you made a, a great comment earlier when you said about Josh Bell. Pirates can lose with or without him. Uh, is that really what we are destined to see this season? A, a, a ba- another really bad year? as they just try to let the young guys play and see what they've got for the next two to three years? I think we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, they've, uh, Ben Sherrington and Derek Shelton have talked about a lot, you know, building the meritocracy, uh, trying to, you know, give players opportunities, but they have to earn their playing time. 
I think we're going to see that in the major leagues the next couple of years. But in Altoona, I think you guys are really going to see a lot of what this future of this team is going to be, be coming up. Uh, like I said, 2022, I think a lot of good hitting prospects. Uh, Lavier Piguero and Nick Gonzalez, their first-round draft pick this year. I, they should both probably be in Altoona at some point in 2022 in 20, or in Altoona in 2021 in the majors in 2022. Uh, there's a good wave of pitching coming in 2023. It, it's a rebuild. There's no other way around it, but they have some good pieces in place that in a couple years they can be competitive. Alex Dunn from DK Pittsburgh Sports. What what uh, are the next couple of months like? Explain what it's like for a baseball reporter between now and spring training and, and getting everything. If we have, if we get the start of spring training at the right time. Yeah, that's not a guarantee, and I'm trying to I'm trying not to think about that possibility right now. But it, it's looking more and more likely that. Things might not start exactly. And if they don't uh, on time in mid February. If they don't, what would that do? I mean, are we are we looking at one sixty two this year? Are we looking at one forty? What what is what's a realistic number that we can think of for a season? Well, if you ask the players, they're going to say one sixty two. They say that they were able to go last year. They didn't have this. They had a couple teams, you know, with outbreaks that they were sidelined for a little bit. That, but there wasn't this big league wide issue. They were able to get to the season. Without vaccines, owners have said that they would like players to have vaccines before they come into camp so they don't have to worry about all that. But if that's going to be the case, it's going to be, you know, probably regular season probably wouldn't start until about May. So unless they build in a lot of double headers into the schedule, this that would be about 144-ish. And Look hey, look, it. that would be... You know they pulled. They that were able that to pull. That would be outrageous, but yeah. after a shortened season, it would still stink. You would hope that they could do one sixty-two. I, I could go on and on with you for a long time about this, but I'll close with this. It, it, we saw a lot of injuries. We saw a lot of different kinds of physical situations when they had the shortened season with the start and spring training, stopping, starting, stopping. Okay, um, what would you expect in year two after that? If we go up to one forty-four or even a one twenty-ish or so. Do you think from a physical standpoint, with, with the way we've seen pitchers, the way we've seen guys you know, handle uh, full seasons from a health standpoint, what could be ramifications of COVID year two on the physicality of baseball? Well, I think you have to be most mindful of the pitchers. I mean, especially arm, elbow injuries, that could be lingering. But it's not like these guys didn't throw during, during the shutdown, especially like minor league players. They found ways to – you know, either find a facility or find someone else to throw with. They aren't competitive innings, and you really can't simulate a competitive inning. There's nothing like whatever. There's fans in the stands, and you've got a runner on third base. You know, in the time runs there. But I think we're going to still see some pitcher injuries, especially, you know, like the obliques, shoulders, you know, type of stuff that, there's only so much conditioning you can do. You could come in and feel like I, I conditioned as well as I could this offseason that something could still, you know, just not break the right way for you. I think we might see some of that probably not as drastic as what we saw with the Pirates last year, especially since they uh, revamped their, their physical therapy, their uh, sports performance teams to try to prevent that from happening after the last two injury-filled seasons. But I still think it's going to be an uptick higher than it is normally, but ideally not a size 2020. Good stuff. Alex Dunn from DK Pittsburgh Sports. That's a great conversation, man. Really enjoy it. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Look forward to talking with you a good bit as we get closer to baseball season, Alex. 
Thanks for having me on, Corey. Uh, it's great stuff. Really appreciate it.